Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Hannah Khan is the author of Zara's Rules for Record-Breaking Fun. Hannah Khan is a Pakistani-American Muslim who was born and raised in Maryland and enjoys sharing and writing about her culture and religion. She's written about a bunch of other topics from spies to space travel that take her out of her reality and on adventures. She's had a few adventures of her own, managed to get to some pretty fantastic places on our planet, and met incredible people along the way. She is slightly obsessed with Spain, ceramic tiles and pottery, food, flamenco, and good coffee. When she's not cooking up a story, she's often actually cooking food or baking treats for family or friends. She also spends a good chunk of her life writing and editing for international organizations that work to improve the health of people around the world. Hannah is also an author who came and spoke to my kid's school, and so that's why I picked this. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Zara's Rules for Record-Breaking. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. I have to tell you that you spoke at my kid's school. Um, I have a second grader and a third grader. I think you went last year in New York or you did virtually or something. They were oh, very, wow. very excited. And they were just like, you have to interview this author. And then of course today I'm like, guess who I'm interviewing? And they're like, who? <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> but um, anyway, they were very excited. Uh, so that's really where this came from. Oh, that's so great. Tell them thank you. And oh my gosh, kids are doing school visits and talking to kids is the most fun part of all of this. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, talk about your latest book. And I would love to hear how you got started and built this whole career. Sure. Thank you. So so Zara's Rules for Record-Breaking Fun is a, is the first book in a series featuring Zara, who is actually the sister of my character Zaid in my oh. Zaid's Theme Chasing the Dream series. But I just love this girl so much. And in that series, she's the kind of sometimes snarky, little bit, you know, know-it-all older sister, but in a sweet way. And, and Zaid just idolizes her. And I just love the idea of exploring her character in more detail. And, and I was already so invested in that family and that, that universe I had created that it was really fun to go back and examine them from a different time period. So I actually set this series three years before the Zaid series. So Zara is about, you know, 10 and three quarters, as she says in the beginning of the first book. And Zaid is even younger. So it's just a different vantage point. The books are very neighborhood centric. And I, I wrote them actually during the pandemic when I was, you know, everyone was stuck at home and, the thing, the one of the, the bright lights was hearing all the kids outside playing and being imaginative. And like, I, I would hear like roving gangs of kids on bikes. And it just made me think of my childhood. And it was something that I hadn't seen before, you know, in recent years. And so, so Zara, Zara was born and it's, it's very much a series about neighborhood friendships and antics. And in the first book, she is very threatened because a new girl named Naomi is has moved into the neighborhood. Her her whole family has moved in across the street. And Zara's so used to being the one who is in, sort of in charge of all the kids and makes the rules and makes sure the teams are even. And all of a sudden, this new family comes with kids that are going to threaten that balance. And she feels very unsure of what's going to happen and a little threatened by this new girl's ideas being so welcomed by the other kids. So she sets out to sort of establish herself as as the queen of the neighborhood and decide she's going to break a Guinness world record in order to show how how important she is. It it doesn't go the way she plans, but a lot of it is actually based on on my neighborhood and and my childhood and my attempts to break a Guinness world record like so many of us have. (laughs) Which one did you attempt to break? So hula hooping was our big one. Um, we, we were sure that we were going to, that's why there's hula hooping on the cover here. And my neighbor was a little better than me. So my friend Naomi in real life was hula hooping on her driveway for 57 minutes without stopping. Oh my gosh. And yes. And we were like, oh, well, if she gets to an hour, that, that's got to be the world record, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we had just, we didn't know what it was. We just thought we knew. And at minute 57, my brother rammed into her with his tricycle. No. Yeah. And the hula hoop came crashing down and it was just this moment seared in our memories as this tragedy. So I, I stole that and put it in the book, but Zara's the one trying to break the record and, and the one hula hooping in the story, so, oh along God. with other failed attempts. So did, you must have, where, like, what was the record? We don't even know. Is, I mean, we didn't is have there the a record? When I was growing up, I'm sure oh, there like, must be. You yeah, didn't Google but... it after this whole book? <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So after the book, well, I googled a lot of them. So she, Zara, knows based on this old book that she has yeah, yeah. of her 
of her uncle about, you know, the longest tap dancing yeah. and, um, you know, all of that. But yeah, Zara didn't know. And we certainly didn't know as kids. No, I'm talking real life here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't remember okay. what it is at the moment. <laughs> what age is your, is Zara's rules for record breaking, like perfect for people are listening and they want to get gifts for the holidays or something like that? Oh, which which yeah. age kid? So um, the, the way the publisher, you know, breaks it down is this is what we call the middle grade, you know, when you're not a little, little and you're not a, a you know, an adolescent yet. So it's, it's seven to 10 is what they recommend roughly. But, you know, I've had kids like throughout elementary school, really, like even like fourth and fifth graders enjoy the series and the Zaid series. So, and adults too. I like to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the nice thing, I read a lot of middle grade fiction and what I love about it is it's just a good storytelling without all the fuss. Mm-hmm. And especially the second, the second book of the series just launched last week, um, Zara's Rules for Finding Hidden Treasure. And that's one I think moms in particular might really connect with because a lot of it is stuff that I'm wrestling with now, the idea of what we keep and treasure and what we get rid of. And I'm wrestling with my mom. It's been many years with getting her to part with things that she needs to part with, which is a challenge. And and I think kids too, you know, like absorb the things that we do or what what we keep and why and then some of them you know one of my sons very tidy and organized the other one's a little bit of a hoarder <laughs> and I don't know why yeah. <laughs> so it's just fun to to talk about all that stuff and Marie Kondo has a mention which I thought was funny that was <laughs> for my own sake so tell me how you got started writing in general yeah. So, well, I think I was always a writer at heart as a kid. I was like one of those kids writing stories and a family newspaper. I just never really considered it as, you know, a, being a book author was something I never thought was possible for someone like me. And I consider journalism. I worked on my school newspaper. You know, I ended up in public health communications after, you know, a while. So I did writing and editing, but for technical documents and things about diseases and not, not at all fun. And I, I actually fell into writing for kids by accident when a friend of mine from elementary school who was working at Scholastic Book Clubs asked, reached out to me and asked me for help on a series she was working on. It was called Spy University. And she knew I loved to write and I decided to give it a try. I found out it was way harder than I realized. <laughs> and I had to completely learn how to write for children. But it made me think about how much I love books as a kid and how exciting it was to when you get that first letter from a child saying that they loved your book. You're like, this is amazing. There's an actual reader on the other side of this who's a kid. It made me realize I wanted to keep doing it. But I also really wanted to write books that did include characters like me and my children and them, you know, characters that I never had you know, the chance to see when I was growing up. I never picked up a book and saw a character who looked like me ever um, or had a family line. Because this is an audio podcast, mostly. Mm -hmm. Tell everyone your background and, and what you mean by that. Yeah. So I'm a Pakistani American child of immigrants and a Muslim. And that was just representation I did not see growing up, you know, and I was an avid reader who spent a lot of time at my local public library. And I was, you know, devoured books like Beverly Cleary and Ramona Quimby was my favorite. And I, I like to think that those books were the inspira- inspiration behind this series. But, you know, as much as I tried, and I, I was very curious to learn about how other people's lives worked and how other families worked. And of course, I found ways to connect with all of those characters and love those characters, but I just never saw myself. And nor did I really question where I was. I just accepted, you know, the mainstream narrative did not include me. And 
now looking back, I realize what an impact that had. But as a kid, I just sort of was like, well, I guess, I guess my story doesn't matter. Or the things that make me different or my family different than, you know, the ones I read about, you know, aren't worthy of being in print. And, and now it's amazing to be able to, to actually add those details and the little cultural references and, and, you know, have them greet each other the way my family would greet each other and and for it to not be a big deal that's what's mm-hmm. important to me too that you know we, we make a big deal about diversity I think it is important and a very important conversation to be having but at the same time when it comes to children's literature sometimes it's nice to have stories where kids just are who they are and are you know living life as kids having very relatable problems day-to-day challenges not things related to their identity necessarily or you know challenges related to that but um, just, you know, ordinary things like a kid moving into a neighborhood or having your bike be stolen and, and needing to make money <laughs> to get a new one or things like that. But then this family is Pakistani American, third, she's a third generation Pakistani American, like my children. And, you know, they're Muslim and that's just sort of there as the same time that they're interacting with their very close Jewish neighbors who live across the street, which is what it was like for me. And I think it's also important for, you know, as, as important as it, as it is for kids who are of a particular background to be feel represented and pick up a book and feel included. I think it's equally important, if not more important for other kids to read about those characters and mm-hmm. find things in common, just like I did with Ramona Gwimby yeah. um, and see like, Oh, okay. This family is a little different than mine, but actually has so much in common with me and, and mine too. You know, I reread Ramona recently to one mm. of my younger kids and I hadn't like dived back in, in so many years And she did so many things independently. Like she was like out and about walking to school, like doing all these things unattended totally. And I was like, and I'm looking at like my 70, I mean, I I do way too much for my kids. I have to say I'm like the most enabling mom ever, but I'm like, wow, look what they were doing, you know, just like scampering off to school and doing all these adventures. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, you know, very sheltered and protected. I had, you know, what you would call an overprotective mom back then. But even then I I used to walk to school. It was almost a mile away, you know, back and forth every day. And those were some of the most fun times of my life were just that walk back and forth and the things we would discover and do. So yeah, I do. I do think I, I have that spirit a little bit in these books too. Like Zara's a little free to, you know, be on her street and with her friends. And to me, that was important. And, you know, and technology is, plays a very small, if almost no role in the stories. And and I didn't really think about it because I think I was looking back to the past as I was modernizing my experiences for the present day, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like it needed to be there. So there's, you know, I know in a lot of, in the books I even, I write for older kids, there is mention of phone use or texting or whatever it is, but I just, I just didn't feel like that was necessary in these books. And it was just refreshing not to have it there. Thank you. Thank you for that break. <laughs> That's wonderful. Kids need to know that life goes on, you know, I'm like, this yeah. is real life. This is your yeah. school. Um, exactly. So when you started writing for kids and realized it was harder than you thought, what did you have to change about your writing style to accommodate that? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Oh, well, in the beginning, it was even something as basic as, you know, using exclamation points, which I was taught never to do as a kid. You know, I remember like teachers saying, no, no, <laughs> cutting those out. And I was like, oh, I guess a well-placed exclamation point works. And, you know, being punny and especially those initial books I was writing that were nonfiction, it was ways to make topics like space and espionage, you know, very accessible and exciting. And so that, you know, snappy punny language was what I was trying to pick up on and had to learn. But then, you know, when it came to just storytelling and becoming a novelist, that was a whole new beast to tackle. And, you know, thinking about what makes a great character, what makes a compelling story, you know, that balance of, you know, my characters, I some of them tend to be not your typical spunky girl. Like, I feel like there's a lot of spunky girls in narratives and, and so maybe you could define her that way, but I didn't want her to have this overwhelming personality or this overwhelming passion for one thing. So I feel like we see a lot of girls like that. And even some of my characters have more passion are more passion driven. But what I like about Zara is that she is, you know, someone interested in all sorts of things and tries lots of things. And that was what I had established as her character in the first series is that she, she tried a bunch of things and didn't always, she was maybe a chronic, you know, quitter, (laughs) which I thought was hilarious. And in these books, it doesn't come out as much, but she does, she's just open to trying new things, which, which I really liked. But that idea of, you know, building a character who, who everyone can relate to and who, you know, feels really authentic, that, that was, to me, the part of writing that I just really adore now, um, but took a bit to learn and things like mastering dialogue, uh, which takes practice. (laughs) It's been a journey. So what is your process like? How fast do you write these books? Well, how many books a year? Like what's your schedule and how do you balance all that with all the school visits and your own parenting? 
Oh, yeah. I wish I, I was just talking to another author friend who is very regimented in his schedule and he has, you know, very carved out precious writing time every day. And my schedule is just all over the place. <laughs> I don't have any rhyme or reason to it. And, you know, and sometimes I'm more focused on writing. So other times I may be more focused on editing. Other times, you know, when I'm traveling, it's very hard for me to focus on either of those things for any extended period of time. But, um, as far as the time it takes, I usually try to give myself about three months to work on a book of, of Zara's length, maybe six months to work on a longer novel for older kids. And then picture books take an absurdly long amount of time. I write those <laughs> as well. Like, I mean, the words may, a first draft may come to you and you may write it in a few days, but then the tweaking and making sure every word fits and makes sense. And then the whole process of, you know, getting it to art and, you know, it can take years. So, so I usually juggle more than one project at once. Um, not one of the same type, but I'll be working, you know, I'll be maybe copy editing one while I'm revising another while I'm drafting a third. So that tends to keep things moving. And then in terms of how many books a year, it just depends. Like the Zara series, I wrote all three in one year, but you know, at other times I might be working on a longer piece that takes longer or a couple of picture books. And so, and everything comes out, you know, much later. <laughs> so sometimes all of a sudden it looks like I have four books coming out, you know, within six months and everyone's like, you've been busy. And I'm like, well, I wrote those like three years ago and they're just coming out now. So, um, it is a lot of juggling, but, um, but fun, fun to like try to make it all fit and not have publishing deadlines that conflict with each other and things like that. Do you feel like you're just perpetually on tour? Not well, it all came to a screeching halt during the pandemic. Before that, it was a lot of travel and a lot of school visits. And I really felt like I couldn't say no to things. Mm -hmm. And you know, it was that that fear that okay, I'm I'm getting invited to all of these things, these conferences and you know, and school visits and workshops or whatever it is, and and I want to go to everything. And there's you know, notion that if I didn't, that people would forget about me or I, the well would dry up. And it was it was exhausting really to look back and think about how much I was doing. And and so initially when everything stopped, I was actually out of school in Florida when everything went on lockdown. I was there for a three-day visit at this lovely school in Tampa. And all of a sudden, I, I mean, I remember the second day thinking, should I go home? <laughs> you know, what's happening? <laughs> like when the NBA like shut down. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And the next day I flew home with all the spring breakers. I was like, uh, we're all really packed in this tiny plane together. What's going to happen? But, you know, initially when I looked at my calendar and there was nothing, you know, everything was canceled. I felt this enormous sense of relief because I realized how much I had just been running and, and how much it had taken a toll. So then slowly we, we, you know, we introduced the idea of virtual visits and, and that started up. So now the in-person travel and and visits are picking up again and and it just feels so wonderful after this much longer break than we had ever thought <laughs> would happen and to just see school you know school kids and and talk with them face to face like it's it's a blast but i am trying to be more mindful of what i say yes to and i'm like well maybe you know i don't need to go to missouri for an afternoon if it's going to take me 8 hours to get there you know <laughs> something like that and so what are some of the things that you say to your school visit audiences that resonate the most with them? Oh, wow. Well, I think kids really love to hear that writing isn't always easy, even for writers. I talk about that and how when I was a kid, I thought to be a writer, you you needed some sort of seal of approval or like a certificate and like, you are now a writer. And even <laughs> honestly, as an adult, I, I felt like I suffered 
imposter syndrome for so many years. I, I struggled to call myself an author, even though I had several books published. And so I, I talked to kids about, you know, their, their voices mattering, their stories mattering, and, and that the stuff that's happening to them in their lives today are all great ingredients for stories that you don't have to necessarily think of things in fantastic terms like, you know, space and spies and, and, you know, pirates and robots. Like you can write about your, your experiences and those things matter. And, and once you actually start writing, you are a writer and that is not, it's not always easy and smooth, but that's okay. You know, it isn't even for people like me who, who are publishing, but yet still have the little voice. I still have the little voice in the back of my head telling me, this is terrible. You know, nobody wants to read this. And that you have to push through. And I think they're they're surprised to hear that. But I, I love I love seeing their reaction when I say, you know, I really don't love writing first drafts. It's it can be really, really hard. So the, the self-doubt never ends. <laughs> yeah, it does not. It is it's alive and well in, in my in my brain for sure. So what do you have coming up now? Uh, a few different projects. Um, I'm excited. I just sent off copy edits to the third book in the Zara series, which is called <laughs> Thank You, um, Zara's Rules for Living Your Best Life. Mm. And that one's that one's really fun. It's also, it's it takes place when she has spring break and she's all excited to plan all these things, you know, with the kids in the neighborhood. She finds out that her, her friend Naomi is signed up for a week of camp at her synagogue and that she is being taken to her grandparents for the week because her parents have work. So she and her brother just, you know, are stuck at, at the grandparents, which is usually fun for a few hours, but the whole week seems daunting. And uh, her grandfather is newly retired and she thinks, you know, he might end up being more like her former neighbor who was retired, who was very active and, you know, gardening and painting and doing all these things. And, and instead she's finding granddad slumbering in his armchair, like after breakfast in his pajamas. So she decides that he needs a hobby um, and takes it upon herself to, to, you know, find him the hobby that he needs. So um, again, like something that my kids have dealt with and (laughs) it's just so fun to go back and re-examine like ideas through that lens of a kid. So that comes out in the spring. I'm working on a graphic novel. My first graphic novel comes out next fun. So yeah, that's exciting. Very different format, but very fun to write. I have a new middle grade coming out and a few picture books. So lots of different, lots of different. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's been busy, but super fun. What's one thing you wish you had more time for? Ooh exercise. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> That's the thing that always, always conveniently gets cut yeah. out of my day. No, seriously, I wish I had more time to read. And I wish I gave myself the, the space to read. I always feel guilty that I'm, I should be doing something else. And as a kid, you know, reading was such a huge part of my day to day. And I never felt that guilt that, oh, I should be doing something else. And now I feel like I have to remind myself, like I'm a writer and it's good for me to read. And this is work too. And then I'll, I'll allow it. But um, I wish I just had that uninterrupted hours to just luxuriate with the book. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure many of your listeners also yes, don't have the I, I to find that it's a very relatable problem. Yeah. <laughs> People are always so ashamed. Like I've had, mm-hmm. I have all these books on my bedside, and I wish, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, yeah. but I can't get to them. And I for sure, I think that's yeah. a, that's part of why you have to trick yourself by doing things like starting a podcast all about books, so that you yeah, force yourself great. to read books. <laughs> yeah, and I, I haven't gotten into audiobooks yet, but. I do. I did start listening to a, a podcast recently, and I, I realized I do love listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And it was a podcast about books, which I, you know, a new one. Yeah, and, and I just I feel like 
there's something about sitting with a book though and yes. and holding the pages but um but I am going to try audiobooks since I do love just hearing voices especially really good narration yeah that's great too yeah. there's some debate is that actually reading I, I know need, I think we need a different word for it it's not exactly reading but you're still inhaling and consuming mm-hmm. the book but um I'll try it I haven't done it yet but yeah. we'll see. <laughs> particularly, I think it's particularly great for memoirs. Uh, I love hearing the books by the author who writes a memoir. Mm-hmm. In their own voice. Yeah. In their own voice. And then you feel yeah. like you know them. But mm-hmm. anyway. Okay. Well, Hannah, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on Moms No Time to Read Books. Thanks for talking to my kids' school and uh, getting them really excited and inspired and, and all of that. And um, it was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you for having me and say hi to your kids for me. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 